Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports, episode number 77 for you this week. And we are back with more basketball as the women's and men's programs continue to play in their season. The men continue to lose and the women continue to win. So we'll talk about both of those programs. We'll break down the Big Ten race even more as we've had some major updates since the last time we recorded and talked to you guys throughout those standings. And we'll be talking... A little bit of March Madness slash Bracketology and a little bit of Husker Baseball. So we'll be just a tad getting into all of those things here in this One episode. Tad. But before we get into any of that, Grant Hanson, Connor Clark here with you as always. You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and you can search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast network. So let's get right into this. We're not diving in this week. We're getting into it this week. Yes. We're going to change it up so I don't get made fun of by We're tiring all the diving. No, we're going to dive in here to uh, <sighs> women's basketball. <laughs> They're 17-4 and four right now. They're 6-4 and four in the Big Ten on a four-game win streak, 13-1 and one at the vault, 3-3 three and three on the road coming off of a win last night against Penn State at home 76 to 61 the freshman doing a lot of the heavy lifting late in that game Alexis Markowski Allison Widener scoring 18 of the team's final I believe 20 points in that matchup to give them a 15 point victory they've also had victories against Rutgers 50 to 38 and Purdue 81 to 66 those are the three games that have happened since the last time we've talked and Team's looking really good right now. I mean, 81 points, 50 points, obviously a, a pretty pretty big dud there in the offensive column for this team. Yes. 50 points is very low for them. But they were able to hold Rutgers to 38 points, which is a positive out of that. And then another nice offensive performance, 76 points. And there's a tough road ahead for this team. At Maryland is their next game on Sunday. At Ohio State Thursday. At Illinois Saturday. And then they're finally back home on Valentine's Day against Indiana a lot of hard games coming up for this women's team, but they've hit their stride at arguably the best time they could have hit their stride here in this season. Yeah, it's a good. It was a good time to get a a four game homestand, you know, and, and they took care of business, which is also really important. Uh, you would have hated to seen you know just see an unneeded loss in that stretch. And again, as I've and others have talked about in this program a lot of times. Last year, that was a problem against those teams that you are supposed to beat. And so they took care of business. Good job there. Now they can kind of rely on what their strength was last year, which is going into these tougher situations against ranked opponents and coming out on top. And so they haven't done that too much this year, but they get a second stretch uh, against a bunch of ranked opponents, uh, much like they did earlier in January. And this time, you know, it's to make a make a statement in some ways. I think right now they're seven seed in ESPN's women's bracketology, uh, so that is where they're supposed to be. They're in Arizona's region, uh, which is going to be interesting if that actually does come to pass. Uh, but Maryland will be tough on the road, uh, and then of course, you know, in this next stretch, I mean, three of the next four games are against ranked teams, and three of those next four games are against teams that are in the top half of the Big Ten standings. And those would be, if you could get like two of those, that would be nice, especially for, because you started off, if you're Amy Williams and in, in her team, you started off not ideally in the conference, two and four, now you're six and four, you're 17 and four overall, 
but you're about middle of the pack when it comes to the Big Ten, which is when you look at that 17 and four overall record, you would assume as a casual college basketball fan that that's probably top four in the Big Ten, but it's not. And you have to run into teams like Maryland, like Ohio State, like Indiana, like Michigan, like Iowa. And those two Iowa losses are really going to hurt this team, I think, going down the stretch. Now, they will make the tournament no matter what, I believe. But having two straight losses to that Iowa team, that you are in the game for both of those, um, that's going to hurt going down the stretch. But once again, Maryland, Ohio State, Illinois, the three road games coming up. Then they come back home against Indiana on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Then at Penn State, at home versus Minnesota. Then at Wisconsin, they finish up. The regular season against Northwestern on February 27th, and they will go to the Big Ten Tournament. That's the March 2nd through March 6th out in Indianapolis at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, home of the Pacers. So we'll see that tournament go on. This team, they won their first round game in that tournament a season ago, and then they ran into Maryland. Maryland, And they were in that game against Maryland. And this team is significantly better than that team a year ago. Now, Maryland did really take care of business in the regular season, and anything could happen in March. We all know that. But I think that this team could give Maryland a pretty good game because Maryland is also not as good as they were last year, at least ranking-wise. Right. Well, I think if you're Nebraska, and I certainly think that Coach Williams and company think this, but you you have to go into that game expecting you're going to win. And and I fully do expect them to win, actually. Uh, now, granted, I, I think you could have thought that Nebraska needed to, uh, shall we say, curb stomp uh, some of these teams a little bit harder uh, over the last few games than they eventually did. But I think they're going to be prepared for this game. And, and again, you have to, I think, if you're Nebraska, assume they're going to win. Because you have to. If you want to be- become something of a major threat uh, coming down the line here, you have to win these th- two of these next three, I think. And the most likely of the three games that they've got coming up are Maryland and Ohio State, which are both on the road. So it- it's a big game, I think, on, on Sunday in terms of direct- the direction of Nebraska's season. If they want to see something. I-, I mean, I think this team is capable of being a three seed. That's probably the ceiling uh, for college basketball, and-, and it all depends on net ranking. And so that's going to be big, uh, you know, for these three games as well. So it, it's there's a lot of stakes for for a February game, an early February game on Sunday. So Nebraska has never beaten Maryland in women's basketball. Zero and fourteen all time. The last game was between these two teams on March 11th of last year. Nebraska fell in the second round of the Big Ten tournament. 83 to 73 14 game losing streak this is going to be the time to get that win because as grant just said if you want to be a force in the big 10 and in the country you need to win games such as this such as the one that you have ahead of them and the fact that this game is on big 10 plus is kind of ridiculous no kidding i think that should be on actual television but that's a conversation for another day (laughs) maryland is a five projected by espn right now uh, Ohio State is a seven, so that matches Nebraska. Okay. Uh, they're they've moved in the most recent update to that Knoxville regional, uh, and then uh, let's see here, Indiana is a three. That's where I think Nebraska kind of caps out is is a three seed, 
with the way things have gone. And that, you know, in some ways assumes that they don't lose for the rest of the season, which is unlikely, or they only lose one more time. Yeah, if they're going to capture that three seed, I think two losses is your ceiling from here on out. And that's obviously going to be <laughs> a really hard uh, accomplishment because, once again, Maryland, Ohio State, Illinois all on the road. Um, yep. You have more games on the road than you do at home. So it's it's going to be a tough road, but this is going to be a road that's going to better prepare, prepare this team for March and where they want to go. But once again, Nebraska women's basketball coming off of a win against Penn State last night by a score of 76 to 61. They stand at 17 and 4 overall, 6 and 4 in the Big 10 and are riding a four-game winning streak heading into this big-time matchup against Maryland. And I think this very much like Matt Cotney mentioned when we had him on in December, much like that stretch he talked about then that Michigan State Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, Iowa stretch was a NCAA tournament stretch. And he was going to be happy if this team could find a way to win two out of those five. They won one, the Michigan game. But I I think if you look at Nebraska, this right here, this does very, very, even better, I think, than that original set that Matt mentioned, uh, lays out a very, very similar NCAA sort of stretch that this team would have to go on uh, in terms of a run in the postseason here with Maryland, Ohio State, and Indiana all coming up. Now let's switch over to men's basketball really fast because they've had two games since we last recorded an episode. They're currently 6-16, six and 0-11 oh in the Big Ten, riding a nine-game losing streak. Now their first game of the last week was against Rutgers at home following that Wisconsin game. This Rutgers game is on Saturday. They lost 61-63 to and one of the worst collapses you'll see. And yeah. then at Michigan on February 1st, which was this last Tuesday, I'm going to go to the Rutgers game real fast because this is the first time that I I think I've ever said this, but I have a bone to pick with Fred Hoiberg. You're coming down the court. I believe it was... It was when they were down one, so it was before Rutgers got the two extra free throws to make it a 63-60 game. So they were down 61-60, to and there's about – they don't have a shot clock, but the, the clock is about in the high 20s, and they come down the floor. They have a timeout. I believe they have two timeouts, actually. And they come down the floor, and I get it, in a situation where you have a team – that has won ball games, especially late in those tight ball games, I understand not calling a timeout and trusting your players to make the correct play. But when you go into that game and you're 6-14, and 14, there have been proven to not really be a clutch gene located on this team yet, and you don't call a timeout there and ultimately that possession resulted in a turnover, a foul, two more free throws for Rutgers. Kobe Webster comes back down the floor, gets fouled on a three, misses the first free throw. That's ball game because there was less than a second left. But I do not know how you don't call a timeout there. How do you not call a timeout with, say, 10 seconds left in front of your own bench, have Alonzo Verge, whoever had the ball, go over to their bench, call a timeout, draw something up, for either Bryce, maybe get Wiltshire open on a three, maybe get something down low to Walker. Who knows? I think only Bryce. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's about all who I would trust I'm just there. trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. But why 
And I'm like, this is sort of asking you, Grant, but this is also kind of just a question for everybody and sort of a rhetorical question. Why do you not call a timeout? Was he out of timeouts? No, he had one. He had one. At least. I vividly just, remember seeing this. Because he had just called the timeout in between uh, Ron Harper free throws to push but, it to a uh, three point game. But he, he had a timeout. In that, so, it, in you that know, moment. it's possible he and drew I'm, up I'm what talk- he was going to draw up there. That's what I'm saying. In between, in between those Harper free throws, right? But he still had one left. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, of all the things to be unhappy with in that game, I mean, that's there's one of many. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty low on my list. The team still shot under thirty percent. Uh, the fact that you know your field goal percentage differential is eight points or nine points, thirty-eight to twenty-nine. Uh, that to me is still a big problem <laughs> obviously but on the defensive side it was one of Nebraska's better games on the three-point line only allowed 15 percent I just when you look at some of these numbers it's hard to imagine that Nebraska was even leading in this game let alone leading by 11 at one point but Nebraska won the rebounding battle heck they won the offensive rebounds battle uh, as I remember writing for this game, one fan behind me was like losing his ever-loving mind that Nebraska was winning the offensive rebounds. But it's just, again, sticky ball movement, inconsistency. Uh, nobody moves. It's true. Nobody moves. Nobody moves. We talked about this last week. Nobody freaking moves. Bryce had 14 of his 29 points at the free throw line. Uh, he's been great, obviously, in the last few weeks. Uh so that's certainly as a certainly I think would imply that he's going to have a good good shot at uh, at moving on. It seems likely to me, especially considering the way he's adjusted physically mm-hmm. uh, in the coming or in the recent weeks. But he might not. Who knows? I mean, obviously, there's nothing been said about that. Um, I just it's it was one of those games, and I and I told you this afterwards. I told other people this as well. It was really hard for me to put into words how exactly Nebraska lost. Uh, I think when you look at the twenty nine percent or twenty yeah twenty nine percent field goal percentage, that I mean that definitely sticks out. But it was like this this slow burn defeat. You could see it coming. Yeah, and you could see the Michigan one coming too. I'm sure we'll get yeah. that into that later. But it was it was weird because you couldn't. Say like, oh, yep, that's why they lost. They got like in the Michigan game. You can say, yeah, they got absolutely crapped on uh, on the boards. Well, that's why they lost. Here, there really isn't that, uh, and, and so it's just a very pitiful offensive performance. Can I offer you a rebuttal there? Yes, sixty-six percent from the free throw line. You lost by two. Now I get it. The I have them at I have them at seventy-two percent. Well, maybe. Uh, oh, okay. just kidding. That was for the second half. My apologies. Yeah. Well, I mean that. I mean, carry on. That could be it too. But still, yeah, you lose by two, and make your free throws. And, and granted, like that has not been the major issue with this team this year is free throws, which you know, props to them for improving there. I suppose. Right. Uh, but and, and granted, <laughs> they missed eight. So there. I mean that. Like that is the thing. But this team should be capable of scoring more than sixty-one points. Right. At the same time, that's just kind of the slog of a game that it was. That's how Rutgers plays. So yeah, I mean Rutgers was 
They and were having a really lot bad. of trouble <laughs> scoring the basketball. And part of that was Nebraska's defense, and a part of that was just them being bad on offense. I mean, we talked about this. Some of Ron Harper's misses just weren't even close. Yeah, he And he had some good. good looks, and they just weren't even close. It was ridiculous. It's weird because, like, we're at this point now that's kind of oddly similar to the football season where, like, we had this epiphany, I think, following the Purdue game where we were like, uh, holy S, they might not win another game. And it kind of feels like that now. And they we're, didn't win another game. Where we're looking back on this basketball season and saying, wow, their only win on the season, their last win of the season might be Kennesaw State. Like that that is something yeah. else. Because because Northwestern and here's the thing, and I know you're high on the cats. I'm not high on the cats, but I can tell you this, when they're coming in on Saturday, they have a whole heck of a lot more to lose than Nebraska does. They they're sure gonna be do. playing with a lot of intensity. Minnesota's in a similar situation. Iowa certainly is. You can say the same of Maryland. Everybody in this last stretch has something to play for but Nebraska. And this is this is going to be very Northwestern because obviously they they're coming in this Saturday so tomorrow uh, to play nor- or to play Nebraska and Northwestern and it doesn't really matter what sport it is unless it's field hockey because they win every single national championship every single year they play up and down to their competition a lot so I think Nebraska will have a chance in this game because Northwestern will play down to their competition. But at the same time, I'm going through Northwestern's schedule here right now. So you go to the Big Ten. Michigan State, their first loss, 73-67. They lose to Penn State. That's a bad loss. I'll give that to you. 74-70. At Ohio State, 95-87. EJ Liddell was not human in that game. Against Maryland, overtime loss. That's not a good loss. They beat number 10 Michigan State on the road. They lose 82-76 at home against Wisconsin. They lose by 20 on the road to Purdue, but who cares? (laughs) <laughs> a 72-70 to loss at Michigan, a three-point loss against Illinois, and then they finally get through and win in overtime against Rutgers. But they, after Nebraska, they have Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota coming up. So if they want any sort of shots, they need to win three of their next four because I'm just going to assume they're going to lose to Purdue. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um yeah. Northwestern's interesting. I said this week that they're battling right there with Rutgers for the underachievement championship in the conference. Uh, I still hold that to be true for the most part, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just look at it from the Nebraska from Nebraska's perspective. I I was like trying to find a win in here, and it's it's hard. There's not one for me. There really isn't. Penn State might be it, but maybe, but. I w- I would give Penn State a sixty forty edge there. If they played Rutgers, wise. if they played Rutgers again, I would think that there's a shot. Actually, I think in a third matchup with Rutgers, there's a chance. Well, and Rutgers is also just weirdly horrid on the road. It is so <laughs> weird. They're so bad because they beat Nebraska by thirty at home, and they. I have, think that's kind of an aberration, really. But that was their. I believe that was their first road win of the year. So Rutgers this year. Has scored, I believe. So they lost to UMass and they scored eighty three. It's just, it's they have not been. They're just like that, weird. Offensively, they're not that good. Generally, like against a power six opponent, I think Nebraska has allowed the most points of anybody at ninety three. 
But after that 93-point showing, they scored 49 against Penn State in a loss. They scored 70 against Maryland. That's their best game since offensively, uh, with the exception of Northwestern, which went into overtime. Uh, they scored 48 in a win against Iowa, 65 in a loss to Minnesota, 60 in a loss to Maryland, 61 in, or rather 63 in the win over Nebraska, and then 78 in overtime against Northwestern. So they're not good offensively. And screw you, Rutgers, for keep making me look bad because every time I want to compliment you, you go lose. It's every bad. time. That roster should be way better than it's. They're record. underachieving, and I know they lost Miles Johnson to UCLA, but still. They should be way better than they are right now. Let's move on to the Michigan game here real fast. That was another loss, 85-79 to on the road in Ann Arbor. This was a game that at one point I actually believed that Nebraska was going to win about like six minutes left in the game because Michigan went on a little bit of a run, but then Bryce had that anticipation with the dunk, and then he had another nice response, and I was like, okay. Because usually when Nebraska lets other teams goes on go on runs – that's it. They don't respond, yeah. but they started responding, and I was like, well, maybe we're on to something here, but ultimately Hunter Dickinson and, and the maize and blue was, was too much for this team, but they did shoot 80% from the line, so that's good. They had 17 points off of turnovers, 36 points in the paint, so that was good. That's something that we really don't see from this team a whole lot. Um, on the other side, 19 points off of turnovers for – Michigan, 36 points in the paint as well. And, I mean, it just it comes down to execution down the stretch, and this team just hasn't been able to do so. There was a free throw disparity, too. I mean, you know, for the game, Michigan shot 33 free throws. Yes. Nebraska shot 15. Um, Casey's tech, that was definitely a highlight play. <laughs> His reaction was absolutely oh, priceless. Somebody uh, make that a gif or a gif or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's just... I, again, this one comes to rebounding to me. Thirty-nine to twenty-four, Michigan wins the rebounding battle. Out rebounds yeah. Nebraska on the offensive glass, twelve to four. Yeah, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Fifteen. It's just not good. And and I'd hate to say it's not even like the Nebraska's hot and cold. They're just bad at rebounding, and sometimes they run into teams that are well, even D- worse than them. Right, but Dickinson is just so good at rebounding too. Like because they struggled with him the first time around, and luckily it wasn't a thirty-five point blowout, but. The dude is uh, – he's Derek Walker's kryptonite to the highest level. I mean, he had eight this game, which which led the team. But, yeah. Uh, but it's like you could see it coming. You knew it was coming. I knew it was. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't because if you have listened to our show before, I'm not the biggest fan of Michigan. And if you know me, I'm not the biggest fan of Michigan. So anytime Michigan loses is a good day for me. And the fact that they almost lost to Nebraska where we go to school and who just happens to be the bottom feeder of the big 10 would have made it even funnier. Right. So maybe that had a little bit to do with it (laughs) with my false beliefs, but another just painful loss. So once again, Rutgers sixty-three to sixty-one, Michigan seventy-nine eighty-five, eighty-five seventy-nine. Excuse me. Two big losses once again coming up on the schedule for the Huskers at home tomorrow against Northwestern, at home against Minnesota on Wednesday night at eight p.m. Then at Iowa February thirteenth, they host Maryland on the eighteenth at Northwestern on the twenty-second. Then at home versus Iowa. That's a Friday night. 
at 8 p.m. So that'll be cool on FS1 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. That's senior night as well. Oh, there you go. And then the last two games are on the road at Penn State at Wisconsin to round out the regular season. Let's move on to uh, the Big Ten race and a little bit of bracketology. We had some mix-up here in the last week or so, especially at the top of the Big Ten standings. Illinois and Wisconsin went at it the other night in Champaign, and Illinois able to get a huge win over Wisconsin. Wisconsin knocked down all the way to fourth place now. Granted, a game separates really the top six, but Illinois all alone in first place at 9-2 and two in the conference. Kofi Coburn, my God, 37 points, hmm. 12 rebounds. Put a body on that man, or excuse me, put like three guys on that man because you are not stopping seven foot one, two hundred eighty five pounds with Wall or whoever else you have inside no. for Wisconsin. No, no, and, and that's again, that's that's why Illinois is still my pick. I, I don't, I don't blame they, you. I don't know if they win the regular season race uh, because that would require a defeat of Purdue at home oh, at Mackey Arena. That would and, be a huge win. And as we record this today, they got to go to Indiana and, and play That's and win tomorrow. there. Uh, just kidding, tomorrow, correct? Uh, so, um, it's an interesting team. It's a team I like a lot. It's a team that this year, despite missing a lot of different pieces at key times, i.e., Andre Carbello, they've still been able to find ways to win. Uh, it's a team that is, although sometimes they can lose or win by three points against Northwestern, is still capable of taking a team like Wisconsin behind the woodshed. Uh, I like them a lot. I do. And they're well coached. And I, for some reason, I trust them more than I trust Purdue in a win-or-go-home setting. Now, the only question is, is Zach Eady the only guy who can guard Kofi Coburn effectively in this league? Because Maybe. when those two match up... That's what everybody's going to be watching. Now, obviously, you have great guard play on both sides, especially with Jay Nivey. You have Curbelo and Frazier and Plummer on the other side as well. And don't forget about Sasha Stefanovic for Purdue. He can shoot and lights he get, out. Well, so he got Cokeburn in foul trouble the time last time those two teams played. Now he only had Kofi only had ten points. Well, so there you like, go. that that might be worth more than how he defends him. Uh, he defends him by putting him in fouls. <laughs> That's well, yeah. And then once he's out, you know. Illinois can't really match well with, you know, with Edie or uh, Trevion Williams, who combined for 34 in that game. And if you're Illinois, I don't think you can afford another overtime game against Purdue, especially on the road, because if you go into yep. overtime at Mackey, good luck. Right. Because that place is rocking. Doesn't matter who they're playing. When they were playing Nebraska, it was rocking. So. Uh, oh, they can smell blood in the water there. That was part oh, of yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, that is true. But that'll be that'll be a great game. Let's go through the uh, standings just 14 through 1. Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, Maryland, Penn State, Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan State, and Illinois. So you're sticking with Illinois as your regular season pick. I mean, no, they're not. my. I think Purdue beats them head-to-head at Mackey. Uh, and then Purdue wins the regular season title. I think Illinois gets them in the postseason. I think Illinois gets them in uh, in the Big Ten tourney. Yeah, I'm really excited for that Illinois Purdue game because if you get a healthy Illinois for the rest of the season, that's scary and a chance for revenge 
of that MLK Day loss that went to double overtime as well. So that'll be a big one to watch out for. And if Purdue wins that game and Wisconsin stays on track, those two meet up in the first week of March. Yep. That could be one of the biggest games of the entire season. So we'll keep a lookout for that because that'll have big March Madness implications. And speaking of March Madness, let's head over to a little bracketology because it's the first week of February, so might as well do it. Um, according to, I'm on Joe Lenardi's site right now on ESPN, so let's I'll, I'll go through the bubble here real fast. The last four buys belong to Loyola, Chicago, San Francisco, Seton Hall, and BYU. Seton Hall's got a big one tonight against Creighton, who is in the last four in, along with Wyoming, San Diego State, and Oregon, the first four out. Florida, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, West Virginia, and the next four out, SMU, UAB, Florida State, and Chattanooga. The four one seeds are Auburn, Gonzaga, Purdue, and Baylor. The two seeds are Duke, Kentucky, Arizona, and UCLA. And we all know Arizona picked up a huge W against UCLA last night in another revenge game at home um, out in Tucson. So that's a big one. I'm just looking through a couple of these matchups here. I've been going through this uh, periodically here, but um, already one that catches my Indiana, San Francisco. That could be a good one. Iowa, Colorado State. That could be a good one. Those are both in the seven ten lines. And then uh, our friend, our friend Cole Peterson, could get uh, if this does come to pass, could get some some big conflict. Is Tennessee and Creighton uh, would be set to match up if Creighton wins their their play in game against Wyoming, the six v eleven. Well, we this, saw this iteration. we saw UCLA get there through the play in game all the way to the the final four last year. So that could be something to look out for as well. Alabama at a five seed right now. That's a little interesting, mm-hmm. but also they have a lot of losses, but their resume and their wins are really good. It's a very it's it's very hard to put a right. label on what they are. So I don't know if a five seed is too high or too low. I don't think they should be anything above a five seed. So maybe it is a little bit too high, but and then Iona peeking around there at a twelve seed with Patino. I know eighteen and three right now. Uh, that's that that's that's a team. They're that's rolling. a team to watch. They are rolling. I don't think they've lost in weeks. Well, and I so speaking, incorrect. so they beat Alabama this year, and then right. they lost to Kansas by thirteen in the non-con. So this team, this team has been tested. Yeah. Uh, and, and that could be that could be a dark horse, one of your upset teams to watch as we get things, you know, towards the uh, towards the end of the year. Illinois is a four seed, as well as Wisconsin. So the both of those teams are four seeds right now. That could change by next week. Villanova is a five seed. Xavier is also a five seed. So a couple of Big East teams there. I'm still looking around the bracket. Texas Seton Hall is a six eleven matchup as mm. of right now that really interests me because Seton Hall is a team that was ranked at one point this year. Once again, they got a huge game against Creighton tonight. Um, both of those are 11 seeds. They're both 13 and 7. I believe they have identical records in the Big East as well. So that will be huge. Uh, UConn BYU on the other side. That'll be a big one. BYU just lost to San Francisco. Uh, that's why I like their matchup. Who uh, against Indiana? I I would not be shocked if San Francisco ended up winning that game. But once again, it's just a projection. It's not an actual yep. scheduled yep, game. Yep. But it's just fun to. San Francisco is one team I wish I had gotten a chance to actually watch this year. Because uh, they're a team that's getting some run. That's another kind of Iona-level team. That well, they I'm were like, on oh, last night. This, uh, it could be they interesting. They were on CBS last night. Ah, but I don't get CBS. Well, that's Sad. just a damn shame. I I wait around until they uh, offer tournament games for free oh, via streaming. Of course. 
We also have a Appalachian State sighting as a mm. 16 seed against Baylor. Um, Oregon's here, the playing games as of right now as well. Uh, the 16 games are Southern versus New Orleans, Norfolk State versus UNC Wilmington, and the 11 seed game is Wyoming and Creighton, and a 12 seed game is San Diego State and Oregon. Oof. So, once again, and we've seen these Power Six conference teams playing these playing games, and i.e. UCLA, and make it really, really far. So just because you're in a playoff or a play-in game doesn't mean that you're out of it. Also, look for Oregon to make a run, too. Nine of their last ten, their one loss in there, they lost to Colorado by four, and then they proceeded to immediately go avenge that loss most recently. So down the stretch, Utah, Stanford, Cal, uh, they get Arizona, UCLA, and USC all in a row at the end of the year. Uh, two of those three are at home, but that could be a team that could really get hot down the stretch and push out of that play-in uh, set. Yeah, Oregon has looked really good, really making a big push in Pac-12 play. They have a couple of top ten wins against uh, Baylor and UCLA, I believe. And USC. And USC. So that's and who it was. US, they beat both US, of those guys in USC, the same week. USC and UCLA were both on the road. Mm-hmm. They lost to Baylor by eight. Okay, so they lost to Baylor. Okay, that's what it I knew they beat two top ten teams in the same week. I just couldn't remember yep. which ones they were. But uh, that's a look at bracketology for you there. We'll talk about Husker baseball here just for a couple of minutes. Did you see the Valentino's commercial with Shea Shanneman and Griffin Everett? No, I have because not. Because it is absolutely glorious here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here and see if I can actually play it over the mic. Hopefully that doesn't get us in in trouble. But that season is really it's right around the corner. It's about a couple of weeks. Yeah, February eighteenth is first pitch. Um, as I pull this up, just literally my, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, literally. Um, Sam Houston, right? Yes, Sam Houston. So that will be a big series. Scrolling, scrolling down. I don't know why scrolling, I can't find it, but scrolling. I don't know. If you haven't seen it, go check it out because I think it's pretty funny. Um, and it's a creative way to do the NIL stuff. But Shea's going to have a lot of weight on him this year. Yeah, I think. he's a captain. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then you have two two guys who I'm going to assume are going to be in the starting rotation in, in, in Shanneman and then um, Kyle, Kyle Perry. Perry, each honored as captains. Cam Chick and then who was the third? Griffin Everett. There we go. It's Chick. Everett, and Griffin, Perry, and Shanneman. And, and Effort, Everett's going to have a lot of pressure, too. Yeah. Because he hit, I think, 160 roughly last year. That number needs to go up. Way up. Because um, no more Lou Grossum. Right. Correct. And so that's a big bat to replace. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. Also, moving over to that beat uh, with Abby Barmore and Blake Garney for Husker Online in a couple of weeks. So that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the bullpen develops and who steps into those lead roles uh, as far as starting pitching. I mean, there's a lot that's going to rely on how this team can pitch because you know they can manufacture runs. You know that, you know... They can play small ball. Right. Well, Bolt's just a master strategist, at least I feel like on the offensive end. So they're going to be able to manufacture runs. You know, the question is if they can't score, if they struggle to score... You know, can you hold the opponent to three to four runs a game? That's a big question. Because I don't, I don't know if there's going to be – because Everett's definitely got the home run hitting power. Um, there are some freshmen who could provide that. Obviously, Max Anderson does. Bryce Matthews does. It just wasn't very consistent last year compared to some of the pieces they lost. 
uh, i.e. Lugroscum. So that, to me, is something that, that'll determine a lot about what this team is capable of on the offensive end. It seems to me, though, that they should be the top team in the Big Ten, and there shouldn't be really anybody very close. So that's encouraging. Also, no Hallmark, no Schwellenbach, no Povich, but those are all notable departures that we've all known about for a while. Kyle Perry quote-tweeting the Nebraska captain's tweet saying, quote, humbled, honored, GBR till I die. If that doesn't get you fired up for baseball season, then so quite close. frankly, I don't know what does. By the way, softball starts even sooner. They start I think in, next in week, the week. Right? They're inside of seven days, I believe, from first pitch. Olivia Farrell and company there. So we'll see what they do down the stretch. Uh, as well but that will do for us on husker sports weekly episode number 77 we talked about husker men's and women's basketball we talked about the big 10 race once again and we took a quick look at bracketology as well as husker baseball but lots of stuff going on this week softball starting up baseball just around the corner in two weeks exactly lots more basketball coming your way in the big 10 and on the husker men's and women's side as well don't forget to follow us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. We'll see you next week, but until then, go Big Red.